Hey, what's up? It's episode 111, Pain Points of Wealth, and the news continues to get better as we move into February. The Federal Reserve sounds like they might actually be open to a pivot sometime this year. Hawkish policy looks like it may be over as inflation continues to come down, interest rates continue to fall, and earnings season, well, hasn't been amazing, but hasn't been that bad either. So questions about a recession, still a big question mark. Well, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about questions you need to be asking yourself right now to make sure that you're on your path to financial independence. Check it out. We got a great show. Hey, guys, you know what? It's uh, every couple of years, you know, the sheep have to be sheared, as they say on Wall Street. And, you know, the biggest sheep I see right now are the strategists at the major firms. You know, they keep talking about a big correction, a retest of the October lows, uh, 3,300 dire forecasts on the S&P 500. And here we are, you know, closer to hitting all-time record highs than we are to hitting a retest. So it looks like the sheep getting sheared this year work on Wall Street. What I don't get is they like to make these targets like, well, the market's going to go down for the first half of the year. And then the second half of the year is going to have this magnificent rally. Like, man, oh, man, do they have a crystal ball? <laughs> like, who can predict that? It's like, I'm going to tell you guys, the weather in six weeks is going to be, you know, 20 degrees on a Thursday. And then, you know, two weeks later, it's going to go to 70 degrees. It's like they're becoming day traders as opposed to long-term investment strategists. You know, and I think they should just give us half their salary and just broadcast our podcast every week. They couldn't afford me. Yeah, I think that's not a bad idea, Chris. Um, Jerome Powell came out this past week and he raised interest rates. He didn't decrease interest rates. He didn't pivot. He raised less than, you know, what uh, he's been raising, right? After the last year, he said he wouldn't raise rates. He had four 75 basis points increases in a row, then a 50 basis increase, and now a 25 basis increase. And my whole career, I've been hearing, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed, especially while they're fighting inflation. So what happened this week? The Fed increased interest rates, and the market didn't fight the Fed. It went up 5%. So I got a new term. Don't fight the Fed. Forget about that. My new term is forget the Fed. Yeah, forget the Fed. And it's true, right? I mean, even bond yields are actually going down. So the Fed keeps raising interest rates, but longer-term rates are falling. Like, go figure. And it all goes back to, too, what we always forget is markets are forward-looking. They're not concerned about what's happening right now. And what the bond market's been telling you now for months, because bond market's been coming down or interest rates been coming down for months, is don't believe the Fed. <laughs> you know, Fed keeps saying that they're going to keep rates higher for longer, yet longer-term interest rates kept going down. And as we like to say, the bond market's a lot smarter than the uh, Federal Reserve. Well, I liked it the other day when... Uh... One of the Federal Reserve chairmen or governors came out and said the, the bond market's playing chicken with the Federal Reserve with Jerome Powell, and they're going to lose. Well, you know what? The market never loses. The bond market's always smarter than the Federal Reserve, than the government. And so far, the bond market's winning. And as a result, we're all winning. Well, the, the strategists aren't the only ones that are weary. You know, some of our clients are pretty weary, too. I was talking to a client of mine last week, and she told me not to buy any bonds anymore because her bond portfolio <laughs> kept going down in value. I said, well, your interest rates are going up. So I said, it's better to buy bonds with better yields. And I said, if rates start to go down, those bonds are going to increase in price. I think that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, it sounds like a great deal to me, Chris. I mean, uh, as rates go up, you're able to compound your current interest at a higher rate of return. Uh, remember, we only own bonds that have a maturity date and a fixed coupon, right? We have bonds with permanence and definition. Now, if you're in one of those stinking bond funds, I can't help you.
Dad, I completely disagree with you. We can help them. We can help them sell those bond funds and buy bonds that come due. <laughs> Not a bad idea, Chris. Not a bad idea at all. Well, I got another one for you, Bob. You're talking about don't fight the Fed. I would say don't fight the Chinese consumer because they've got like $2 trillion in cash now estimated to be able to spend now that their economy is reopening. And I've got to think that's going to be a pretty good opportunity for literally every company around the world. Well, you know, Ryan, it's nice to know that you finally stopped buying Tesla and got smart and started buying the emerging markets. <laughs> I thought you put it all in the Bitcoin because that's really rampant right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I borrowed against my Bitcoin to buy more Tesla. So, but then again, Tesla. I thought you were leveraging your cash to buy rare earth, earth metals. That's right, rare earth metals. But you have to, yeah, you, you have to say though. I mean, we have a huge bounce right now in all those disruptive technologies. Whether it is Tesla's up big, still down big, but uh, it's had a huge move up in the last couple of weeks. You know, Bitcoin obviously keeps moving higher here in the short term. So, I guess the big question is, and I'll, I'll put the question to the two of you. I mean, is technology is this the real deal? Are we going back to big tech names? Bitcoin, Tesla, or is this just a dead cat bounce? Well, I think the problem is that, um, you know, in the past, we've had the Federal Reserve flooding the market, you know, with liquidity. So basically, cash was free, right? Interest rates were at zero. Uh, and that's when you get rampant speculation when people invest in things like pet rocks and cryptocurrencies and <laughs> disruptive, innovative technology with, without any earnings. And I've seen this movie before, guys, and so have you. At the end of 2000, we had the tech bubble burst. Uh, over the next year or two, there were tremendous rallies in those stocks that didn't have any earnings. Um, they eventually did, but it was 20 years later. So don't be fooled. You know, don't buy pet rock stocks and don't buy innovative technology. Blue chip, good quality companies are a place to be. This market's going to go higher. It's going to go higher with a different uh, constituency. That's a good point. And like you look at like Amazon, for instance, it still trades at 50 times forward earnings. And not to get too wonky, that's very expensive. Meanwhile, you can buy the Chinese version, Alibaba, it only trades for 14 times forward earnings. So I think, you know, the other, the other point is if you're going to buy tech, buy some tech around the world. Because if you look at other stock markets, again, they're just so cheap relative to the U.S. And I think that's the one thing that we see a lot every week as we look at new portfolios is most of you are underweighted to the global markets. And that's probably where the best opportunity is going to be in the next five to 10 years. Well, you know, as we discussed the other day, um, it's really hard for most people, especially if you're really smart and very analytical. Um, and this industry tends to attract people who are analytical uh, and they don't see gray, you only see, you know, black and white. But investing is more about understanding human emotion. You know, guys, uh, when you were growing up back in Pennsylvania, a lot of uh, the kids you went to school with would say, hey, Mr. Payne, I would like to get into your business. What should I major in when I get to university? Should I be an economics major, a finance major? And I said, no, if you really want to do well, in my industry, you should study abnormal psychology. <laughs> well, guys, I guess it goes back to be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. That's well, so true, Chris. And that's the thing. When, when you look at, you know, what's people like to make predictions of what's going to happen. You know, inflation is going to come down. It's going to go higher. The Fed's going to raise rates or lower rates. Earnings are going to be up. Earnings can going to be down. You know, they, they love to make these predictions. And even if you nail it 100%, you still don't know how the average investor is going to react to that news. So you can make yeah. the most prescient projections and predictions and be totally wrong on how you invest in the market because markets look forward, markets move on emotions, and over time, you know, everything goes up because as I always say, guys, the world doesn't end very often. Yeah. No, it's true. And I think the Federal Reserve is a perfect example of that, right? I mean, that was every time Jay Powell opened his mouth last year, 
It was terrible for the markets. <laughs> you know, like, it was always the worst day when it was Fed Day. And now all of a sudden it's, it's the opposite. Right now the Fed comes out and speaks like they did uh, the other week. And all of a sudden, you know, markets are, are going off to the races. So the other thing is, is the investing public can change the reaction to the data after a while too. Like there could be just a shift in, you know, what investors actually do, what decisions they make, even if the data comes in the same. And I think that's the other thing that's interesting, right? It's like, you just can't guess what human behavior is going to do on the short-term basis. And that's why day trading invariably fails. You know, guys, don't ever forget that stocks are the slaves of earnings power. That's really all that matters. And yeah, earnings are going to be down a little bit this year from last year, but now they're starting to base stocks on, on where they're going to be in 2024. And Jerome Powell says he can navigate a soft landing. I think he can. And I think he's, his policies have actually been working, you know, to give him a little bit of credit. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to have surprises to the upside. Remember, we've been in a bull market our whole lives. And in a bull market, surprises always come on the upside. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 111, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. Chris, Bob, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you if you're planning on inve and investing. And if you're thinking to yourself, I want a more hands-on approach. I want to have someone look at my portfolio. Well, if you've saved over a million dollars, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. In fact, we'll build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether you're preparing for retirement, getting an income plan, how do you draw from your portfolio, how do you take Social Security, how do you factor in inflation to what your lifestyle is going to look like, we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products and those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products. We're going to go through every single investment you own. We're going to show you where the high costs are, how to reduce those costs, and optimize your portfolio for taxes. We're going to give you our full tax playbook. It's not what you make. It's what you take. And we're going to look at diversification. What underlying risks do you have in your portfolio? Are you taking unnecessary risk? Or you've been sitting in cash, earning nothing on your money as inflation is still close to a 40-year high. We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now and guys i thought that giving pain capital management of course that's p-a-y-n-a -A, uh, is a wealth management firm and it really is centered around financial planning i thought we could discuss five basic planning questions all of us need to have answered to achieve financial independence well i'll take the first one uh, and that's well i really spend less later in life and you know what guys i've been doing this for 10 years i've done thousands of financial plans and one of the things that I found out is that you absolutely, positively do not spend less in retirement. And as life goes on, in the first three years of retirement, you actually spend more. Well, you know, you're right, Chris. Um, you know, most of my friends are retired. And uh, I played some golf with them in the last couple of weeks and had a few dinners. And you'll never guess what the topic of discussion is at almost every dinner. It's like, how much did your dues go up at your club? How much is your HOA going up? <laughs> you know, how much are they charging you? at the restaurants in Naples. I mean, it's ridiculous. All the, the dinner prices are going up. Everything's going up in price. That's inflation, right? And it's, <laughs> and it's insidious. And, and companies take advantage of it 
you know, when you have inflation in the headlines. But even when it's not in the headlines, you have that insidious hidden tax of inflation that's going to keep growing your expenses in retirement. So you better plan on spending as much or maybe more when you're retired. The struggle is real in Naples, Florida, Chris. It's tough times down there. <laughs> tough times indeed. Tough times indeed. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that, that continues to go up, and, you know, this is especially important to think about when as people are living longer, is the cost of increased health care. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing when you look at, and it's probably the biggest shock of my career. I, I remember when I first started in the industry, started planning, um, trying to make projections on the cost of education. And back in the 70s, you know, tuitions were growing at double the inflation rate. And then they continue to do that, which I thought could never happen. And the same thing's been going on with health care. It's, it's relentless um, and it never seems to change. It's always double inflation. Yeah, and that's something you want to account for in your projections. Like if you had a quarter of a million dollars come out in retirement for health care costs, like is that going to affect your lifestyle? And I think that's one of the biggest problems with most financial plans I see is no one's throwing the kitchen sink at it, right? And that's something that you have to do. You have to look at all the worst case scenarios. So when you plan, the ideal is you have surprises in the positive when you actually hit retirement and you're actually like living off of your money. I think that's a critical component that I feel like with a lot of these financial plans, they don't really dive into it and show you what happens if bad things happen. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's the biggest fear I think anyone has is, is you know, running out of money. And the problem with healthcare expenses going up is that we're all living longer. We're all living a lot longer, a lot longer than a lot of folks anticipate and a long, lot longer than previous generations. And I know, you know, I don't know about you, Chris, but my biggest fear, if I run out of money, I got to live on Ryan's couch. And he got that new fancy couch. It's not that comfortable to sleep on. You know, Dad, I think it's kind of lousy that Ryan would put his aging <laughs> father on the couch. You know, you come stay with me. I got a bed All for right, you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, you always wear the more caring son. Hey, it's, it's small, small spaces here in New York City. You know, the other question that you really need to ask yourself is how are you going to fill in your income gap when you're financially independent? Like what Where's the money going to come from? You know, how do you draw from your portfolio? We, we always talk about there's lots of ways to take Social Security. And I think that's very daunting because when that paycheck stops, now all of a sudden you're living off the land. And that can be kind of a scary feeling. Well, I think this is where planning really comes into, into effect because you got to look at a couple of things. you got to look at what is your income in retirement. Do you have pension? Do you have Social Security? And then you also have to have a good handle on what your expenses are. I can tell you guys, 99% of my clients have no idea what they spend. And we probably spend most of our planning sessions just going through trying to figure out what's going out the door. Yeah, it's a really good point, Chris. And, uh, you know, on a lot of portfolios, because we've had this uh, big booming bull market, uh, started to get more heavily weighted in non-dividend paying stocks and a lower allocation towards bonds. Plus, you know, bond yields dropped to almost zero in the last couple of years. So a lot of folks felt, hey, why do I want to own bonds? All they do is go down. And now they're starting to realize that as you look at these projections, you need that income flow. And, uh, you know, cash is king. Cash flow is king, you know, when you're no longer collecting that paycheck. No, it's a great point. And it's kind of like a, a, we're having an income renaissance right now, right? Because now yields have gone up. You can get real yield on bonds. And dividend yields, they went up last year. So dividend yields are attractive, too. So okay. it's actually a what great time said, to actually allocate your portfolio to generate income, especially as you're getting close to what we call financial independence. Well, that's a good point, Ryan. Actually, I was talking to a client of ours recently, um, and he started with us back in August of 2021. So, you know, we know what the market's done since then. The overall value's been down. And, you know, he was a little bit upset with that. And I said, well, look, let's look at where you were born versus where you are today. I said, has the stock market gone up or gone down? He said, well, it goes up consistently. I said, okay. I said, chances are the market's going to go up and you're going to make that money back. 
I said, but the other thing that you're not thinking about is the fact that your portfolio generates a tremendous amount of income. In his case, it was almost $245,000 a year. So I asked him, I said, well, in your career, what year did you make $245,000 a year? And he said, well, it was only like three or four years ago. I said, that's right. I said, your portfolio is generating that year over year, and you don't even have to do an ounce of work. And he was totally blown away by that. So income is very important. It's actually going to go up because it's adjusted for inflation, right? Dividends go up and and hopefully, you know, we're getting better bond yields today. Yeah, but meanwhile, I can put my money in Bitcoin. All right. So next question <laughs> is, another question that I know the answer to this is no, but are my finances organized in one place? And look, we do like 50 portfolio reviews a month. Nobody has their financial information in one place. And it's a huge drawback when you have money everywhere and you don't have an organized concerted plan. I kind of equate this to having change in the couch. You know, as you guys know, I have 150 clients and every single year, a handful of them always come up with some 401k that they forgot about or an IRA that they had at some firm. You know, it's just like nobody has their finances in order and they always find some account that's, you know, end up somewhere that they forgot about. Hey guys, I had a, um, I had a, a annual review meeting this week with a good friend of mine. Now he's married for the second time, so here's a pop quiz: Is his second wife older than him or younger? <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> older. Gander, I guess older, younger. Okay, how much younger? How much? Twenty. How much younger, Chris? Fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, fifteen to twenty years, right? So uh, it's actually fifteen years. Now her biggest concern is, how am I gonna find anything if something happens? You know, because obviously, right? She's gonna live longer. Now his uh, his way of organizing is to put uh, you know, the stock information in one desk drawer, put his insurance information in the closet, all the passwords are in some book that he hides somewhere you know, in the bedroom. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I supposed to know where everything is? And thank goodness you know, we organize things through our eMoney portal and you don't have to worry about it. But that's so typical. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing when you know, you, you, you talk to one spouse and say, well, where is everything? And then they point to their head. You're like, oh, it's all right in here. <laughs> yeah, what good's that going to do us when you're six feet under? <laughs> <laughs> well, too, and it's like the other thing is you can just plan better, right? If you know how much money you have in retirement assets and you can decide how to allocate that money based on how much money you have in non-retirement assets and you get everything working together, it's just a much more effective and efficient portfolio. And we all want simplicity. You know, as we get closer to financial independence, like you want everything, you want everything at your fingertips. You don't want to have to look everywhere for everything. Like think about tax time when you have like a hundred different tax reporting statements. That go to the accountant. Whereas if they're in one place, you could send your accountant one email. So it's just that like taking the hassle out of financial planning just makes life so much better. Well, just a simple thing like RMDs, guys. You know, you have, you know, somebody spreads it around. They don't tell their other spouse. And then you go to do the RMD. And next thing you know, they're getting a letter from the IRS saying, hey, you got a 50% penalty because, you know, that preferred stock you bought and that savings loan, you know, nobody ever paid the uh, required minimum distribution. Well, the other thing that we have to think about, too, is what your heirs do after you pass on. And a lot of times what I find is the clients that I've had that passed away, it's been a very trying situation for their heirs when they're trying to settle their estate because they don't know where the wills are. They don't know where the tax returns are, and they don't know where those, you know, random 401ks and IRAs are. So, you know, for the sake of your heirs and the sake of making it less painless when you leave God's green earth, you know, get this stuff organized. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And another question you want to ask yourself is, what will my tax picture look like in retirement? 
And the more you project out your taxes and you project out into the future, the more proactive moves you can make when it comes to taxes. And it amazes me. It's like those small tweaks we make to our portfolio with taxes, whether it's, it's converting money to Roth IRA before you have to take money out of your IRAs when the government forces you to do it um, and turning that into tax-free income over your life. And then your heirs can inherit that money tax-free. There's just so many things you can do when you start thinking longer term that just have a huge positive impact specifically with taxes. Well, that even applies too to portfolio construction, like the type of investments that you own. Like for example, exchange traded funds are much more tax efficient than mutual funds. Or if you're in a 25% bracket or above owning municipal bonds, whose interest is federally tax free. Hey guys, this is a fact of life. You know, the older you get, the more insecure you become about your future. I mean, I've, I've worked with clients in their nineties where you know, they've got hundreds, you know, I mean, not hundreds, but millions of dollars in assets, and they're scared to death that they're not going to be able to pay their bills the next year. It's just, it's a real fear. Um, so when you do, you know, really in-depth planning, they're able to see that they don't have a concern in the world, and then they're able to start to think about these bigger issues. But if your biggest focus is, I'm always going to run out of money, you never do any proper planning, you know, because you're too frightened. And, you know, fear is something that you can, you know, overcome by taking action. And I think planning, really in-depth planning with a CFP is the only way to go. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, since 1970, there have been 20 government shutdowns related to the debt ceiling, and they always have been sorted out. The stock market hasn't cratered during government shutdowns. In fact, stocks gain ground half the time. Well, you know, the old say saying is, Rye, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, you know, I've been fooled so many times by these government shutdowns and all this fear and shouting. And it turns out nobody loses income. No entitlement payments stop getting paid. Um, it's, it's all a show by the politicians. And, uh, and, and once it's over, everybody forgets about it. So... As, you know, fool me twice, shame on me. I'm never getting fooled again. Uh, I think as, I think the who said that, right? Fool me twice. I don't know, Bob, fool Bob like five times, and then he finally gets it. That's what, that's what I heard back, back in college. All right, Chris, over the past decade. <laughs> oh, Chris, over the, past, over the past decade period, the median net worth of the top 10 billionaires has nearly tripled from $39 billion to $115 billion. In fact, the first billionaire to pass the $100 billion threshold was Jeff Bezos in 2018 when he took the top spot on the list from Bill Gates. However, now all but two on the top 10 wealthiest list are Sentai billionaires. That's kind of crazy. This just goes back to the power of compounding. I mean, if you think about it, if these guys invested their money with us, <laughs> they'd be making at least $3 billion a year just in interest and dividends. So, you know. Yeah. Words of the wise out there. Keep your money invested. And Jeff Bezos, if you're listening to this, I am yeah. taking new clients. Sadly, his stock has dramatically outperformed by like almost every portfolio over the last uh, 10, 15 years. But you know what? Someday we'll catch up. I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> All right, Bob. Little 70s uh, trivia for you or stats for you. Jimi Hendrix was billed as the overall headliner at Woodstock in 1969 and commanded the highest paycheck of all the performers. Hendrix was paid $18,000 for his appearance at Woodstock, which is actually the equivalent of making $125,000 today. That's pretty good money for a day's work. 
that's pretty good money. But I'll tell you what would be more impressive had he invested that money, um, you know, back in 1969. His estate would be huge today. But, um, you know, I don't think Hendricks was really a great investor. And, of course, didn't have a long time to, to compound his portfolio. I think he died at, what, at 27 years old? Yeah, something like that. And, Bob, you know, is it true? If you said you were at Woodstock and can remember it, you weren't really at Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> were you at Woodstock, Bob? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounded like Bob was at Woodstock. Um, all right. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll keep the audience wondering. Another great episode. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, episode 111. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. If you go to bbullish.com slash questions, you can ask questions. We'll answer all your questions directly. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please give us a like for this episode. You can actually subscribe to our channel. Click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.